become the athlete that you would like to row with. I'm Marlene Royal, and welcome to this today's edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio. We have a very nice show planned for you today. Um, a little bit later, when we get into the show, uh, we'll tell you about the new webinar that we have coming up in March, which is called Rowing Through Menopause. And first, we have a very special guest with us for this show. Um, I'm going to bring in Ruth Marr. Welcome, Ruth. Hello, how are you? Good. This is Ruth Marr, and Ruth Marr is from Rowing the World, um, which is, and we're going to let Ruth tell us about your business. So tell us a little bit, Ruth, about yourself, about Rowing the World, and how you got started, and uh, we want to hear everything. <laughs> Terrific. Well, I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. And it's so nice to see you again because, uh, it, you know, we last saw each other on the shores of Black Plum in Knowlton in the Eastern Townships in Quebec when we were running our rowing trip there. And of course, the, the weather is very different right now. We're both yes. in Canada and it's kind of cold and wintry, but it was a lovely day then. So it was lovely to see you there. So yeah, Rowing the World is my company. Actually, it's pretty exciting because we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year, which uh, yeah. So wow. yeah, we officially launched in January of, of 2013. And here it is February already. And it's amazing how the time just kind of flows through when you're doing something that you love to do. And that's really the story of rowing the world. It's about my passion for rowing combined with my passion for travel. So the history is that uh, I've had a previous adventure travel company. It's called the Randonnée or Randonnée Tours. Mm -hmm. And we specialized in self-guided cycling and walking tours, especially in Europe, but also in Canada. And I had that company for 15 years. Near the end of it, I, you know, because I had been a rower throughout uh, having Randonnée, I, you know, I kept thinking, you know, I'd love to do something with rowing. And I started putting together some possible self-guided trips, uh, maybe in Seattle, you know, with Canada, Montreal, I don't know, I was, you know, all over the map. And then at the end of the day, when the company was sold, I decided to keep that information um, because for one thing, I think you have to be a rower in order to design and operate and run a rowing trip. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> so, and the people who are buying the company were not rowers. So, so I kept that idea and then went on and did some other, uh, I have a, another consulting business. So I went back and did a lot of consulting and, you know, I missed the travel industry. I, I love being in adventure travel and I just missed being in the industry. So after about, I don't know, four or five years of back in the consulting world, I just thought, you know, I kept thinking, thinking, thinking about a rowing travel company. Um, but it's not an obvious thing. And in fact, everybody told me you can't do that. It's not going to work. Um, but I just, you know, I just wouldn't let the idea go. I decided I finally have to fall off the fence. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I've got to make a decision. I've either got to do this or stop thinking about it. So I, I thought, you know, because it's, it's easy, especially in business and especially when you're creating a, a business that mirrors your passion, it's easy to convince yourself that you're right. And, you know, <laughs> absolutely, this is going to work. <laughs> Not necessarily a smart business move. But anyway, so I decided to take six months to really research it. And uh, there were two questions that I felt needed to be answered. Number one, would anybody buy this? And number two, could I go to clubs in various places in the world, show up with people they don't know and I don't necessarily know? Mm -hmm. And are they going to let us, you know, rent us their very expensive equipment and work with us? Two big questions. Yes, for sure. So the way I, I the, the story of how it all unfolded, I was so lucky as I was beginning to research all of this, I came across uh, FISA World Rowing Tours. So World mm -hmm. Rowing used to call these, these as you know, uh, and typically every year they have a, a World Rowing Tour. So it's an, a, an event sponsored 
by world rowing. And it varies, goes to different countries, different places. And these are very different than my trips in the sense that they're typically about 60 participants. They're massive. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Like it's a whole different story. Uh, so I found out about this and it was, this is 2012. And the 2012 World Rowing Tour was in Northern Ontario, based in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. Uh, brilliant. I, you know, I'm in Canada. I can go. Well, turns out, no, it was all filled and I found out all the whole process about how you have to apply yada 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 lovely conversations anyway so I thought okay too bad last they had a last minute cancellation from somebody and so I had a phone call from the organizers and said hey if you can get on a plane and get to Sudbury you got a seat so it wasn't quite that because it comes into the training that we'll talk about later so I had maybe I don't know a few weeks a month maybe advance notice and so off I went in August of 2012 and experienced a, a, a Visa World Rowing Tour. I had never actually done a rowing tour myself. Well, I was going to ask you if this was the, was, was this your first experience with, yes. you know, multiple day long distance rowing? Exactly. Yes. And, and just the whole logistics. Now I understand logistics having been in the travel industry for 15 years. I get that part, but the whole, you know, the rowing aspect and of course I'm a rower, so I get that part, but how it all fits together was, it, it was so instructive, very fortunate. And I will say, you know, I had such a wonderful, wonderful time on that trip. The organizers did a brilliant job. I made lots of friends. And in fact, uh, I still have guests who are, you know, 10 years later are coming on my trips and I met them on that trip, that tour. So it was really a, a fantastic start. So, I mean, that was sort of check that box. That sounds pretty good. I think I know how to do this, but there's still the question of would people buy it and would uh, clubs rent me boats? So I went to Europe that fall and uh, decided to focus on Switzerland, the uh, Lake District and the Ticino and then Lake District of Northern Italy. And I just started, of course, I contacted clubs in advance and they just went and met with a whole lot of different clubs just showed up and started asking you know like hi i'm ruth uh -huh. <laughs> Will you, rent me you have some boats <laughs> yeah. and what kind of boats they have right? exactly so. yeah just starting to learn like i think and that's often what you have to do in in business i think is just sort of get get in there and start figuring things out so i got i was so thrilled with the very positive uh, response that i got from these clubs and in fact, I got to go out in these lovely rows. And um, anyway, so I did a, you know, did a bunch of that checking, did a lot of research. I mean, obviously, the fact that there were 60 rowers uh, in Ontario in August sort of said, okay, there is a market. And so I began to develop my first tours. Uh, as I said, I launched the website in January of 2013. And, uh, and here we are 10 years, 10 years later. And what was the first, what was the first tour that you organized? Well, it was in that same area. I called it Italian and Swiss lakes. It's what I would now describe as a sampler tour. Mm -hmm. And, and so we started in Lugano and we did rows with two different clubs in Lugano. Then we went over to Bellagio and Lago di Como in Northern Italy and rode out of the club there for a couple of rows. Then we traveled over to Lago Maggiore and rode out of a couple of clubs there. And then up to Lago di Orta, also very close to Lago, Lago Maggiore, and had a lovely road there. So it was, yeah, so, and, and um, it was a, a small group, which was, was perfect. A uh, number of my, my rowing club members here in Winnipeg from Prairie Fire were along. My doubles partner was there mm -hmm. and, and also not, um, uh, who, who was very important in my training for that first visa tour. And then my former doubles partner who had moved to um, France after leaving Winnipeg was also there. So it was really a, a very special first, first trip. Uh, and then I can tell you about my second trip that I ran, which was, um, fun and different. Was it the uh, same year? Was it the same year? Same year. Uh, so uh, la the first trip was in April, if I recall correctly. 
Then the 2013 FISA World Rowing Tour was scheduled to be on the Shannon River in Ireland in 2013, in the spring. It was extraordinarily popular. And the way that World Rowing runs these is it's not sort of the first person to put their money down is in the gate. You apply. Mm -hmm. They have a sort of, they distribute the number of seats by countries. Oh, so, yeah, so they try and make sure that, you know, it's not all one country or it's not dominated, that they, they maximize the range and the number of com- countries that can participate in those, those tours. They also like to find a balance between some new participants that haven't been on a tour before and sort of part of the old visa family, as they call it. So... It was, well, they had 60 some seats. They managed to get more. They had like a hundred rowers. They had cyclists. It was insane. Um, And they still didn't have enough places for all the people who wanted to row the Shannon River. And what what kind of boats were you rowing in? Uh, Largely recreational uh, Cox quads. Okay. So touring quads. Anyway, some of the friends that I had made in... Canada the previous year were not accepted onto that trip. And they came to me and said, Ruth, create a trip for us. So that's what I did. So, I mean, from day one, and the organizers knew this, I was very open with them. So the plan was that I would do the visa tour down the Shannon with the visa group. I went in advance and did some research and booked all kinds of things. Uh, and then the next week, I would do it again with my friends, with my group. Well, that was a great, I mean, that was a great introduction because then you practiced the route, you knew a bit about the logistics, what needed to be done as far as accommodations and what types of boats and handling the boats and where do boats need to live overnight and, you know, where do they need to sleep and all that. And, uh, and then, and then to have that trial run and then go through it yourself, like running solo, that's a big step. It was, it was. And there were some definite adventures to be had. Uh, The uh, 2013 World Rowing Tour is, uh, I don't know if the word is infamous, notorious. Um, There was uh, the second to last day of rowing was on Loch Derg. Well, there were a number of them that we had to go through and a gale came up and it became quite challenging. uh, boats sank, people were stranded on the shore, the Coast Guard was called in, there was some, it was a pretty big event, uh, you know, made national headlines, actually. So um, it was, uh, yeah, so that was some excitement right there. And I was already a bit concerned, because when I was doing my advanced research, I sure noticed, I mean, these are, uh, you know, the Shannon River is a fairly big river, but it, then it widens into these massive lakes which are quite shallow and ireland has a lot of wind you get some pretty big waves white horses or white caps as we would say white horses they call them and i've been noticing when i was doing my advanced work before the visa tour i thought boy lots of white caps on these lakes i'm not sure so i'd already kind of like and um so when my group came it's like, okay, so they knew, I mean, of course, they had been in Ireland and they were reading the newspapers headlines <laughs> about this. So we were kind of prepared for this, but even then we had to, uh, we, we stopped the trip early because the wind and the waves and it just was not, not gonna work. And the boats I had hired were from this one. We ended up having to leave them in the cow pasture <laughs> the owner could come and pick them up and we were so scared the cows were going to trample on these well yeah that that's sort of an obstacle (laughs) i mean who would think of that but it's you know quite possible they would think oh what's this and just walk over yeah yeah but anyway it all you know we ended up having grand old time and the fun the other fun thing was which i hope never to replicate again either was that uh, i decided uh, that how we would work this is I was going to hire a, a, a motorboat, like a, a cruiser, they call them, that I would sleep in and I would move our luggage from point to point. So I booked hotels along the different points, the guest stayed, and I was planning to sleep on the cruiser boat. And that's how that was going to be the support boat 
no mm -hmm. lunch boat, you name it. So I had to learn how to drive one of these cruisers, which, you know, was interesting, especially going through locks by myself. Um, I, uh, and, but after it, it was so frustrating. It was so slow. The rowers would be. Oh, and the boat, and the cruiser was so slow. Crank it, let's go. Come on, boat, let's go. And, you know, they'd have, the rowers had to wait for me all the time. Uh, and then when I finally returned the thing, I, you know, they said, oh, well, we had deliberately dialed it back because we thought you wanted to go slowly. Oh, jeez, <laughs> of course. Anyway, it was. Well, uh, that's one of those things. That's adventure traveling, right? That's one of those things yeah. like, who would ex who would expect this that they turned the throttle down so I couldn't go fast and that way I couldn't keep up with. I couldn't keep up with the rowers. <laughs> oh god. Well, on that note, let, let let's take a quick uh, break for our sponsor, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about what is a typical day of a rowing tour and what's coming up on the agenda. Sounds good. So our sponsor today is the um, Rowing Through Menopause webinar that we have coming up in March. And I've uh, got this right for those of you who are watching us on YouTube. You can see it on the screen. Um, our Rowing Through Menopause is going to be a three-day event. It's spread over three different Wednesdays at this podcast time. And what we're going to talk about is how will menopause affect your rowing, ways to mitigate the effects and strategy to support your body while you pass through the change. And this, um, I'll put the link up in the show notes, and it's, you can register. It is a free event that you can register for through uh, eventbrite.com, and we'll put the link up for you. And we have three speakers lined up and one of our speakers on the first day is uh, uh clarissa christensen she is a neuroscientist she's internationally known menopause educator and a health coach uh, she holds recognized qualifications in nutrition mindfulness chinese medicine and she came into menopause coaching through her own experience with anxiety and a host of other symptoms that set her on a different path to empower women through this time uh, our second speaker is myself, Marlene Royal, and I was one of the first rowing coaches dedicated to masters. And I'm going to be talking about um, how to adjust your training program and training program considerations once you are postmenopausal, and you know things that become very important in terms of um, recovery and designing your training program on a weekly, weekly or monthly basis. And Tessa Vanderviken is a kinesiologist and a strength coach with a passion for training rowers. And she specializes in athletes aged over 50. She hails from Calgary, Alberta. Uh, Clarissa is coming to us from Sweden. Um, Tessa has extensive experience working with all ages and stages of training and finding complex conditions such as osteoporosis, osteoarthritis to be the most fulfilling. She believes a sustainable and successful strength program can be created for anyone, regardless of the potential limitation they have. And we will be running three weeks consecutively on March 9th, March 16th, and March 23rd. Um, and um, we will keep the information in the show notes, and we hope that you will join us. So now we're going to go let's go back to ruth <laughs> so ruth what i wanted to to have you talk about a little bit is what what is it what is a, a, a one of the locations you go to and what is a typical day like in a rowing tour if, one of your rowing tours if somebody has never been you know what should they expect as far as what happens from the time they get up in the morning to the time they have dinner in the evening. Sure. And um, I'll talk about some of the things that are kind of common across all of our tours. And then every tour though is quite distinct. And one of the things that we really focus on is uh, making sure, you know, it's not cookie cutter. We like to tailor the trip to what makes sense in that location, what suits that location, the water kind of rowing. So the rowing drives everything. It's the priority is why we come on these trips. 
Um, so that can influence things. But I'll talk generally first in the sort of, sort of common elements. So the first thing is that this is a, a rowing holiday, a rowing vacation. So none of this 5 a.m. in the morning stuff. Uh, we've got all day or most mm -hmm. of the day uh, or part of the day to do our rowing. We're not training. We're there to uh, to row and row lots and row well. We're, we're not there to... Uh, you know, meet a certain schedule, uh, achieve certain uh, stroke rates or heart rates or, you know, certain time trial type things. No, we want to see the scenery. We want to enjoy it. We want to enjoy being with each other. And of course, we want to have a really lovely row. So typically, we're, you know, a bit more relaxed on the timing in the morning. Uh, we have always a good breakfast included. Um, often we'll try and have a very um, significant breakfast because sometimes we're on the water for a while. Mm -hmm. Although we always have snacks, lots of snacks. Um, and that is actually one adaptation that we find some of our rowers have to make. So I've had some rowers who come on the trips and they, you know, sort of first in the morning, they say, oh no, I can't eat before I row. It's like, well, that's nice at home. Maybe consider the fact that you're going to be on the water for four to five hours and eating might be a really good thing. Besides, you're going to eat now and we still have to get to the boathouse and we still have to get the boats out and on the water. It's going to be a while. It's a production. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that is something that we've had to work with people and, and some are always still challenged not to eat. And that always does worry me. One reason we have lots of snacks an infinite supply of snacks available but yeah so we like to have a nice solid breakfast we get to the boathouse sometimes it's right there uh with us sometimes we have to travel to the boathouse we try to minimize we try to do things uh low as low carbon as mm -hmm. we can so you know for example on our croatia trip in you know we walk to the boathouse you know why not it might be a 20-minute walk that's okay we're seeing right. things as we walk along um and then once we're at the boathouse uh you know we we do it in some locations we get this valet service but that's rare and we believe that and you know most rowers take responsibility for their equipment we do have a few key rules and one of them is that what you do in your home boathouse is just mere interesting dinnertime conversation. <laughs> when we're in these clubs, we do exactly what the club tells us to do. Mm -hmm. Don't care if you carry the boat a different way. Don't mm -hmm. care if you launch a different way. Don't care about any of that. We do what we're told to do. Or you know, we do what the guide tells us to do or the tour leader tells you to do that's you know so that's really kind of pretty important and sometimes also a bit challenging because rowers are used to doing things their way and they're a lot of them are a-type personalities and you know and, and very competent extraordinarily competent and also sometimes we almost have to hold people back because they're willing to jump right in there get stuff start grabbing equipment and getting going and that's fantastic except that might not be what the club coach or whomever wants us to do. They might have a very set, set way. So we make sure that we that's all understood. The night before we have a briefing. So everybody arrives at the boathouse. They know with whom, where they're sitting in the, in which boat and mm -hmm. you know who they're rowing with. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a second because that changes all the time and every day. Um, so they know that. Uh, we typically are now going to get the equipment out there may be a degree of putting the boats on stretchers and having a chance to adjust feet and, and so on. But again, another factor is we're not, you know, this is not head of the Charles. This is not training for the Olympics. Most of the time, it's like get in the boat and row it. It's not what you're used to. It doesn't matter. That's the point. We're rowing somebody else's equipment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously adjusting the foot stretchers is very important. But if people want to start messing with the rigging and, and so on, it's like, no, this is not your equipment. You know, if there's a real problem, like check your equipment, you know, maybe it's missing a bolt somewhere or something like mm -hmm. that for sure. But yeah, but so again, it's sort of getting into this groove that it, 
you know, we're here to enjoy ourselves. We're not looking for perfection. We're not, it, it's, you know, having a great row is not going to turn on whether you've got two spacers above or two spacers below. Um, you know, so anyway, we get all that done. Sometimes we, uh, we're using our own boats. So we unload them off the trailer maybe, or get them out from wherever we're on our own schedule. Sometimes we are on the schedule of the club. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we might sometimes maybe those same boats are being used by a crew for their training in the morning and we might have to wait for them or, you know, whatever. Uh, so again, that, that varies. Every location's a bit, a, a bit different. Um, and then, uh, you know, we get down often because we're using, we use a lot of coastal boats, even on fresh water. Do you mostly, use, do you mostly row quads? Mostly quads, quads, quads. Yes, we will sometimes have uh, doubles mm -hmm. and sometimes very occasionally singles. Uh, it depends on the number, it depends what boats we have. But we love rowing the quads for a bunch of reasons. One is that it allows us, you know, the, the coxing, we share the coxing. And it's honestly, it's sometimes the best seat in the boat. Oh, it's lots of fun. <laughs> It is, and you see the most scenery. Yes, it's very different, right? Right. You're not you're not rowing backwards. You know, you actually get to see where you're going instead yeah. of where you've been. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so the, the you know, so we we use these recreational boats because also you know we we're sometimes out on the water for extended periods or you know or, or out for the day, and especially if we're going point to point, you know people need to bring some things with them. I mean, you know, we talk about luggage, where are we going to put the luggage? I mean, it's not luggage, luggage, but everybody has a dry bag, some maybe, you know, maybe an extra layer or space to put an extra layer, a raincoat. We always say, we don't care mm -hmm. what the weather forecast is, always have with you sunscreen and a raincoat mm -hmm. and maybe rain pants, depending on the weather condition, you know, temperatures. And so we have to, you know, that all has to get set up. Um, we are very collaborative, like everybody helps carry the boats down and especially because the coastal boats in particular way, you know, you need a small army to get those things, a cock squad down into the water and hope, you know, often they're on trolleys and so on and so on. But still, it's yes. everyone works together. Um, and then there's uh, a great deal of fussing, farting and faffing going on. I don't know if you're, from, you know, I love the, the British word faff. Right, lots of chatting, right? And stuff. Yeah, and, and just things take a long time. You know, everyone's getting their, you know, they all set up and their water bottle in the right place. And, you know, anyway, so sometimes it can take a bit of time before we get on the water. And sometimes that's a problem because maybe we have a fair number of kilometers to do or the weather or whatever. And sometimes it really doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. whatever we get, that's fine. So we get launched and off we go. Um, the rowing, again, we're not doing pieces. We don't do warm-ups. We don't, it's like, let's just start rowing. And you know, We row at typically lower rates, like, like 18, 20. Um, mm -hmm. We, you know, it's, it's slow and steady and sure and just keep it going. You know, it's, it's about the rhythm. It's about set, settling into the groove. We, anyone at any time can ask for a break, you know, like sometimes it's to take a photo because like, the scenery is just so amazing or, you know, and certainly we encourage people to drink lots of water and, uh, you know, and have snacks and take breaks and so on. So it's, it is a leisurely row, but it's not, doesn't mean it's not good rowing or, or we can't go at a higher pace. Like it really mm -hmm. depends on each crew, depends on that boat that day. Uh, we rotate, as I said, uh, the seats. So there is no, nobody has a set seat in any boat for the whole trip. So, I mean, somebody might come to, to me or the tour leader or the guide and say, you know, I really don't want to stroke. I can't. <laughs> yes. Or we might, you know, we're, we're watching people. Negotiate <laughs> this, right? <laughs> not going to be stroking. Um, or we know that, wow, somebody's a really good stroke. And, you know, so we do a lot of, uh, there's a real art that we do to set in the boats every day. We try to make sure that we match, you know, there's some, 
the boats are going to move roughly at the same time and people are moving around having a chance to row with different people mm -hmm. we know there are some favorite seats i know some people who love bow seat Mm -hmm. And so we might say, all right, we'll do, all right, we're going to put Kathy in the bow seat today. They're going to give her a treat, what she loves. So, you know, we, we can, do, you know, sometimes we have little races on the water, you know, mix it up, like just, you know, like pen hard and see how fast. Anyway, it just, it's really about having fun and enjoying. It, each day depends on the distance we need to cover, the weather conditions, and whether we can land. Um, sometimes we just say row in the morning and have a late lunch uh, and then do non-rowing things in the afternoon. Sometimes we row for a while, stop and have uh, a, a, you know food, whether it's lunch or whatever, and then row some more in the afternoon. Um, it really, every day, it really, every day, every tour is tailored or tuned in to the specifics of, of, of each of each day. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're very customized, like based on the location where you are, you know, like, do you, do you visit this club this day and do a row there? And then like another, as you said, sort of a sampler where it may not be a point to point row, but you're going for a row, then you go to another club, another body of water you have. That, that's how, when you visited my club, you were on yes. your way, you were on your way to Lake Massawippi. Um, yes. So every day, it sounds like every day is, you know, really customized according to the boats, the location, probably the group and what the group would like to do. You know, every group probably has a little bit of a different personality as well, depending on the combination of people. Yeah, although, I mean, obviously we have to have certain, certain things are planned in advance. So you're right, we have different styles. It might be good for me to talk a bit about that. So we've talked about the sampler where we kind of go from you know, different places and we're in different locations. Uh, we also have what we call a center base trip. And an example, as an example of our sampler is our Montreal Eastern Townships, mm -hmm. which you, you mentioned. Um, another sampler is our Croatia trip. We row in three different locations, uh, three different boathouses out of that. Um, a center base trip is where we go to one location and stay there for the time. Uh, we have a, several examples of that. One that I just I just love is our BC Wilderness uh, tour on the, the west coast of Vancouver Island. Oh, it's on the it's, west coast of Vancouver Island. It's wow. amazing. So we trailer, we drive over with a trailer of boats. It's about a four-hour drive over from Victoria, British Columbia, over onto the west coast near uh, Euclid to Fino kind of area. Mm -hmm. And it's an area called Barclay Sound. Uh, we launch from a place called Secret Beach. Of course, everybody knows about Secret Beach. <laughs> and then we row into this wilderness lodge. It's off the grid. There are no, no road access. You can only get there by water. And we spend five nights at that wilderness lodge. It's unbelievable. And every day, so every day then we do a different row. Now, in that case, we that row is dialed in based on, you know, wind and weather and currents mm -hmm. and tides and all those kinds of things. And, you know, and, and variety. Like, I like variety. I don't like every day we get up at 7 and have breakfast at 8 and on the boat at 9. You know, um, some, some days we might say, okay, there's no rowing this morning. You know, and sometimes in case like BC trip, tides are very important. We might say, yes. we can't row this morning. We're going to row in the afternoon because that works with the tides. And so we might do a long day, we might do a short day, and then a little hike. You know, it really, it really varies. So that's a center-based trip. We also are two wellness, uh, rowing wellness retreats in Italy this year. One is in on Lago Maggiore at Canaro, and one is on Lago di Como in Bellagio. Those are also center-based. Mm -hmm. And people also like that because you unpack once. Yes, you're not packing up every day to move. And, you know, it depends on maybe the time of year, the type of water, but, you know, having that, that one base. And then if you want, if it's a wellness retreat, you know, you want time to unwind or go do something else or go have a massage or go to your, go to the yes. yoga class or whatever, you know, something that's going to wind, wind down, have nice long dinners. You know, so Exactly. Yes. Yes. And then our kind of our, uh, another style is our point to point trips. So when we row down the Thames River, we start in Oxford and we end in Weybridge. 
So, you know, that's a point to point. Or we row around Lago Maggiore, for example. And we have a few trips that kind of combine those. So our, our trip in Turkey, poor old Turkey, which is suffering so badly. Oh, right now, yes. Yes, it's far to the east, but. Yes, yes, exactly. Our tour region is completely safe and away from all of that. But so in Turkey, we, we start in Bodrum, do a mm -hmm. row out of Bodrum. Then when the boats are trailered over to the Dacha Peninsula, and we do five days of rowing along the shoreline of this beautiful peninsula in the South Aegean Sea. And then we go up to Istanbul and row on the Golden Horn as a mm -hmm. finale. So that's kind of a combo. We do a couple of like samplers and one point to point. So it, it really does uh, vary and, and depend. We're, we're about to announce, I hope next week, our new Sweden tour, which is in Stockholm and at the archipelago. And that's going to be a really cool trip because it will be point to point. And in some cases, we're going to carry our all our luggage, well, a small overnighters in the boats. We've got these touring boats that have like they're like massive kayak catches in them. And we're going to take people's luggage for two nights uh, in the boats with us. <laughs> I think people are taking notes right now. Like, I want to do this point to point. I know, I, I know that uh, that part of the Aegean um, very, very well, Bodrum and all the Greek islands wow. there. I've spent a, a tremendous amount of time in those areas. Road is in, up in Istanbul. And I know in Istanbul, they row up in those northern lakes. And um, that's actually where the, some of the Istanbul clubs train as well. So that, you know, a lot of variety, you know. So I think depending... What you're in the mood for, you know, wilderness, wellness. Well, it's all wellness. Just just different oh, yeah. types it's of wellness, you know. <laughs> but you know, being based in one location, point to point, and you know, and everything being, you know, designed around the people and the group and the boats and what's available. And you know, no two tours are probably identical to each other. That's so they're all very distinctive. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. This is what I'm dreaming to do. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about a little bit. Well, we still have a little bit of time here. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, the, the preparation, mm -hmm. meaning meaning from the training point of view, from the physical preparation point of view. I mean, even even though people are not quote racing and training for competition, they're still doing quite a bit of rowing, you know, and, and there, there are there are demands to this. Um, there are certainly energy demands to this. So as soon as you tell me about the person who doesn't want to eat breakfast before they row, you know, the, the first thing that comes into my mind, anyone who is over 50 years old needs to eat before they go rowing. And in fact, anybody needs to eat before they go rowing because, you know, you've gone to bed and you've got eight, hopefully eight hours, maybe six hours, but you've got many hours where you haven't eaten anything and you know getting up and and going out to to train hard you know especially for you know older adults uh, you know it's really important to top up that fuel first thing in the morning and sometimes it's hard for people but you know you can find something yeah. that will work but you don't want to go so so many hours without any any fuel that's for sure yeah Preparation for these trips is important, and, and I should also say that we we do try to have a kind of a well, we have a, an absolute, which is if you have you must have rowed for at least two years, and even that's kind of you know, mm -hmm. we're going to talk yeah, to what, your coach, right? How many months does that mean, right? Type of thing, yeah. right? Well, lots of our guests come from places where they can row year round, so <laughs> they're not all Canadians. Most of them are. Like Americans or Australians and so mm -hmm. on, but, um, but still, I mean, because we want that combination of not just the fitness, but also also good technique. Yes, I mean, you, you don't want it. We want people in these boats who can row and are a pleasure to row with. Now, we everybody knows that there are people who have rowed for thirty years, and you really don't want to be in the boat with. Them. <laughs> Yes, and we can't do anything about that. <laughs> and they're, and they're, they're sculling, right? Because they're in quads. So this is not and not sweep rowing, but primarily sculling. So, yeah. so they have to have a little bit of sculling experience. Absolutely. Too. 
Yeah, and sometimes someone will say, oh, well, I sweep row. It's like, okay, better go to Craftsbury for a week and then then come and talk to us, um, you know, because they need to know how to scull and they need to be yes. comfortable with sculling. Yes, yes. And especially on some of our coastal trips. We'll, and we'll talk about coastal in a moment too. Um, so we have a sort of at that minimum uh, that, so we want to have a sense that they've got that ability because they need to have the fitness, they need to have the technique, and they just need to be able to keep going for an extended period. Um, you know, I think almost any rower can, you know, has got a reasonable level of fitness, can get in a, a boat and row 30 kilometers. It's getting up the next day and doing it again. Again, yes. yes. And then the next day. Right, absolutely. Not that we row 30 kilometers every day, but still, it's that day after day after day that is what people really need to train for and also they need to know how to uh train differently i had uh, a few years ago we had uh, a guest on our one of our dordogne trip in france and he's quite a, a big racing you know loves to race it's very well racing and he's the, also the first person who came, who always had his speed coach, his MK sports speed coach with him in the boat. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and I really had to work with him, especially when he was uh, uh, stroking to, you know, bring the rate down and, you know, sort of the long, slow distance kind of approach as opposed to the intensity. The good the wonderful thing is he was so gracious because uh, a couple years later he sent me an email and he he credited that trip with improving his racing he said learning to have to slow down and do long steady workouts instead of always intensity he feels he he's giving him the credit for the improved race results i don't know if that's true but anyway I think that's it's true. part of it. I'm sure it's part of it because it's actually one area of training. Um, I think especially with the master's population, when 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 they're home training, they, they have a limited amount of time. Yes. And so with that limited amount, limited amount of time, they think, oh, I have to try to go fast all the time. But no, you need this. this you need this long, slow distance in. That is the bottom of the pyramid. You have to build yeah. the pyramid. But just because you don't have a whole hour and you just have 40 minutes doesn't mean you need to go faster. <laughs> you, you still, you have to distribute your, your days. So I would say any, anyone um, who is racing, who is thinking, geez, if I go do this tour, how is that going to affect my training? I mean, that distance and base training is absolutely going to be good for you. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a good volume for you and you can, you can plan it at a time that fits in well with your, with your schedule. But, you know, I think that the, as you said, the preparation of it's, you could do a long row one day, but being able to do this for three or four or five days, that's where you, that's where the preparation comes in, where mm -hmm. I think people have to get accustomed ahead of time to rowing often. And they, and they, they should, they should try to do some little practices of, that kind of a pattern, um, whether it's rowing or maybe somebody isn't even accustomed to exercising every day. You know, maybe you row one day and then you go for a long walk the next day. Then you row one day and you go for the long walk. Next. But just the, the, like you said, having the durability yes. to go from day to day because, because what you have to develop in your training is, A, you have to make sure, especially with older athletes, that you're your tendons and muscles are prepared for this because as we age, our joints get a little bit of laxity and get a little bit of looser, looser. And it's actually easier to, you know, slightly pull a muscle or slightly twist, tweak your knee or have a little, you know, little something starts to bother you in your elbow. So you do have to prepare your soft tissue, meaning your tendons and your muscles for this just again, re repetitive, repetitive rowing low intensity but it's it's the it's the duration and by doing more long distance rowing and and it could be any activity if you don't row every day you could put cycling in the middle of that walking in mm -hmm. between days but the the durability at that low intensity low intensity rowing is what develops your recovery ability so uh -huh. The, that's why it's the base of the pyramid. So for your stroke who likes to race a lot, 
you know, if you do a hard workout, but you don't have the recovery ability, you're not going to have a quality session the next day. And I think if you're looking at a tour, you know, you you want to you want to have quality rows every day, quality and pleasurable rows. And if you're really tired and you're just not physically prepared for it, it's going to be hard to get through that. So, yeah, and hard on your crew members who are with you in the boat that day. And also, too, I mean, it's it's a bit like cross-country skiing, I think, of this, you know, which is top of mind for me right now. But um, in the sense that when you get start getting really tired, that's when you still need to hold your technique together. Yes. Because absolutely. actually that's when you need the better technique above all. Yes. You need to be even more efficient with your stroke and your movements because you don't, you know, you are tired. So you've got to make everyone count. Um, and then we get some interesting variations. Another thing that I find uh, I've learned myself, and then I realize, oh, I have to make sure that everybody understands it, is the different types of water conditions that we are rowing in. Yes. So someone who rows always on a lake or a reservoir and has never been on a river doesn't understand currents and what a current does. And, and how it can move you around. Yes. And also why it's a very bad idea to st stop upstream of a bridge. You know, but like, unless you, right. why would you know that if you've never experienced it? So uh, that's part of the job of the guides, obviously, is to make sure that we are communicating those kinds of, of issues or what to do when, you know, I, I don't know, like, well, and say even with coastal rowing, and that's another whole level. So we, we have, we think, I think our trips are great introductions for people who are used to flat water mm -hmm. rowing and want to try a little coastal. I mean, it's not like we're out in the most scariest of, you know, massive waves or anything. At least most, not most of the time. Not most um, of the time. <laughs> but, but it is open water. It is different. It's open water. And we've certainly had some feisty conditions that we've had to get through. Um, so you've got to then, you know, coastal rowing is, requires a good base of solid regular rowing. It's the same core rowing stroke. And then you have to add some extra knowledge and extra technique on top, but you've got to have that same great baseline. And again, that's what, you know, so you can come on a coastal trip with us. And so long as you're well-trained and you've got fitness and you've got that sort of confidence in your rowing, you're calm and you're confident. So things start getting a little interesting out there you're relaxed. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you can do it because you're fit, you're fit enough and you've got the core technique. And then that really makes a big difference in terms of getting through some of the slightly more entertaining kind of rowing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have to be able to react appropriately in terms of handling your boat and your oars. And that's the safety aspect yeah. of it and being on different water, um, you know, and, and as you said, I think this is a great way for, uh, someone to learn how to row in different water conditions. I mean, yes. this is, you know, good breakfast, good dinners, beautiful hotels, you know, great equipment, good company. And there you <laughs> go. You know, it just becomes a learning experience all along. I wanted to mention to our listeners that um, if you go to the page, uh, fastermastersrowing.com slash rowing dash the dash world, we have um, information about Ruth's programs. And um, we also have a touring preparation program. If anyone is interested in that, the information is on that page. And, um, you know, we, I think it just sounds like a absolutely wonderful experience. And um, was there anything that you would like to add in Ruth as sort of as some final notes of you'd like thoughts you'd like to leave people with about the, a rowing tour? Well, sure. I mean, I would encourage people to uh, try travel, obviously, with us. But, you know, it really is another dimension to rowing. Like, you know, you can go to regattas. That's fantastic. You can also have wonderful rows off your home dock. Um, and you can, you know, go to camps. Those are all great. This is another dimension. And it's just a really another way to take the sport that we love and go to beautiful places and experience different things. And it's not just the destinations themselves, it's also the people who come on our trip. We've had, 
you know, we it's sometimes in that, that Cox Quad, we'll have five different nationalities. Mm. And it's magical. Mm -hmm. And once we figured out the call, so everyone knows what, you know, yes, is yes. It, you know, is it port or is it, you know, I don't know. Uh, starboard or is it stroke side, bow side, whatever. Right, left or right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you, know, you can, you know, people have never rode together from five different countries. They get in that boat and boom, off they go and they make that boat move. That's fantastic. And I think the other thing then too is, um, you know, just as you said, trying different waters, going to these different clubs, meeting local rowers. At, in some places, we just have the most amazing welcome like in greece and turkey in particular turkey is phenomenal how mm. ho hospitable the the rowers are but everywhere we go people are excited to meet us uh meet my, our guests and just having you know that chance to see different boats different ways of doing things it, it's really a bit of an eye-opener and it just you know sort of expands your horizon horizon yeah and, it's, and and you have every right to eat a lot and enjoy eating because yeah. you're also exercising, you know, you're also out in the fresh air and doing things. And um, it sounds, they sound fantastic to me. I think it sounds like an incredible amount of fun and just, you know, the, you know, the world is open, you know, you go, you go to different continents, so many different countries and um, Sweden sounds excellent. I hope you will come back to, Eastern townships again here in Quebec. So I can go rowing with you. I think that would be wonderful. And that will just, we're just going to wrap up a moment. I'd just like to remind people and I'll just say, thank you, Ruth. Um, stay on for a moment. I'm just going to sign us off and then we'll, we'll catch up again. So just a moment here. Great. Thank you. I'd just like to remind us the sponsor of today's show is the Rowing Through Menopause webinar that will be taking part in March. Um, you can find more information about this at www.eventbrite.com. And I have the, the URL is here in the notes and we will put them in the show notes for you so that you can, uh, you can get a ticket to the event. It is a free event. And so we really encourage people to take part. We have three different speakers and we're going to be talking about how your rowing training changes once you are past menopause. So we do hope that you will join us. And uh, we'd like to say this has been the Faster Masters Rowing Radio podcast, the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun, fitness, and confidence in their rowing. Become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription today at www.fastermastersrowing.com. And please do check out fastermastersrowing slash rowing dash the world and um, check out Ruth Mars tours and hopefully plan your next tour. The rowing vacation sounds perfect. So thank you everyone. And we will see you next week. <laughs>